0: My name is Andrew Gross. I'm one of the elders here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. And I have the privilege of uh, closing out this sermon series we've been doing for a while now. Uh, Who'd be able to name that sermon series? Besides the pastor. Anyway, yes. Putting God in His Place. Now, when I first heard that title, I I was kind of jarred. It sounded almost arrogant, like we're putting God in His place? Place? I don't know if anyone else had that reaction at first. I think it was meant to be a little bit jarring because the reality is the way most of us, even us Christians, live our lives is we do think we get to put God in his place. But if we're being true to the Bible, if we're being true to following Jesus, then what we really need to do is put him in the center of everything, the center of everything. and so. All right, uh, if you want to start the PowerPoint up here, we've got uh, this picture here of the the spirals and putting God in the the very center of everything. Now, if you've been paying close attention the last couple months here, uh, you'll remember Pastor Jim started us off and has been reminding us every week that rather than thinking of our priorities as a list with God at the top, God actually wants us to view our priorities as like a wheel with spokes. God is the center of the wheel, and all the different parts of our lives, whether it's our friendships, our recreation, our family, uh, any kind of relationships we have, our work, our school, anything we've got, God wants that all to revolve around him in the center. See, the problem with the whole idea of a priority list, if God's at the top, it's nice he's at the top, but God is actually supposed to consume the entire list, top to bottom, not just the top. Like, okay, I did my God thing, now I can move on to my other things. That's not how God wants it. He intends for us to live a life where he's at the very center. Everything else is revolving around that. And this morning... We've talked about all the different uh, things revolving around that wheel, except there's one last thing to talk about, and that is our ministry. Our ministry. Now, some of you at this point might think, my ministry? Well, I'm not a paid professional minister like Pastor Jim, so how is this relevant to me? Well, if you've been a part of Bethel Christian Fellowship for any length of time, if you've you've rubbed shoulders with us even for for a little bit of time, you're going to notice that we hold very strongly to a statement uh, of ours. We we've had for years now where we say every member is a minister. Every member is a minister, and and what that means, basically is that if, if, you're, if you're a part of this church, if, if you're a real Christian, you're actually a minister. Believe it or not, whether you feel like it or not, whether you have a title or not, whether you get paid for it or not, whatever shape or size it comes in, whatever it looks like, if you're a real believer, you actually are a minister. Uh, now, this comes from all kinds of places in Scripture. It would take... Uh, Weeks and weeks to try to show you all, all where all this comes from in Scripture. But just a few little things I want to highlight. First Peter two nine says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This morning, uh, Gene Rample reminded us we are holy. Uh, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. He wasn't talking about an elite group of paid people professional ministers. This verse here doesn't just apply to Pastor Jim. This verse applies to all of us in this room. Every single one of us. All of us are ministers. Okay? All of us carry, in a sense, a a priesthood, a a special responsibility before God. You find this all kinds of places in Scripture I won't read this whole uh, passage here. Ephesians 4, it says he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. He's naming just a few of the spiritual gifts and offices and callings. And then you see what I highlighted here, or what I put in italics here. To prepare who? A small elite group of paid professionals for works of a service? No. To prepare, somebody say it, God's people. That's you. If you're God's people, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. God God has the the paid professional ministers, the apostles and the the prophets and the teachers and pastors, to prepare all of us for God's special work of service. Okay? Uh, Another one, in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul starts off this whole talk of spiritual gifts A couple chapters earlier, this chapter 12, verse 7, he says, to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he concludes this whole discussion in chapter 14, verse 26. I have it up here. When you come together, a couple of paid professionals have a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Oh, everyone, every single one of you have something to contribute. And this morning, it was wonderful to see that. We saw people, all kinds of all kinds of walks of life, all kinds of different people coming up, sharing something. Even if you didn't get up with a microphone, uh, you actually came to church this morning to contribute and share something, uh, whether it, it, it appears big or appears small, whether it's kind of behind the scenes and hidden whether anybody gives you acknowledgement for it or not, uh, God actually has given you something to give back to the community, to contribute to the community, everybody. So at, at Bethel Christian Fellowship, our assumption is that if you are a Christian, then you have a ministry. It's as simple as that. You're a minister if you're a real Christian, all right? I don't it's probably not going to work for tax purposes to tell the IRS that oh, I'm a minister. The Bible says so. But nevertheless, whether the IRS acknowledges it or not, you and I, each of us in this room, are ministers. And 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 by the way, just the, I, I could spend we could spend so many sermons, messages, that we could spend years actually going over all the hundreds, thousands of different ways God. Has for us to contribute. The, the sky is the limit. The, the possibilities for how you can contribute to the community of Christ, it, it's, it's really endless. I mean, there's, there's so many lists in Scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 12, probably the longest list, talks about prophecy, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, showing mercy, rejoicing uh, in hope. That's a gift when you rejoice in hope, by the way. Everyone else around you is depressed. You're, you're rejoicing. Persevering through trial, that's a, that's a gift. When you're persevering, everyone else is hanging back. Devoted to prayer, that's a gift. Uh, to have people among us who are devoted to prayer. That's what their life is all about, is prayer. Contributing to the needs of other, uh, uh, others. Offering hospitality. Blessing your persecutors. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. Weeping with those who weep. That's, that's a gift, when you can weep with those who are weeping. That's an amazing gift. 1 uh, Corinthians 12 talks about words of wisdom, words of knowledge, having uh, great faith, healing, performing miracles, prophecy again, discerning spirits, speaking in and interpreting uh, other unlearned languages. There's the, the, these lists go on and on. 1 uh, Peter 4 talks about hospitality again, serving, speaking on God's behalf. Ephesians 4, we read that a minute ago. A, apostleship, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher... There's so many lists, there's so many gifts here in these lists, and these are not, by the way, they're not exhaustive, limited lists, okay? This is not saying here are the gifts and there's no more. The, the, the sky is the limit, the possibilities are endless for how God has for you to contribute, okay? And, 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 and there's no age restriction, little kids. Can come and contribute. There's no gender restriction. There's no race restriction, class restriction, educational restriction. No restrictions for who gets to come and contribute and give and bless and build up the body of Christ. All right? So, you know, even if you're wondering, oh, gosh, but the way I feel like I want to contribute, that sounds kind of weird. I've never seen anyone do that before. And it's strange. And I just don't have any examples. And you, you, you know what? I'm just going to say this. It, it is quite possible that God is raising you up to be the first one to launch that ministry, that gift, that contribution. Okay? So stop waiting around for an example and be an example yourself. Okay? Uh, so, you might be asking in all of this. Uh, what what is a ministry, Andrew? Uh, How do I know I have one? How do I put God at the center of it? Uh, A little definition. Uh, At at Bethel, we we would say, likely, we would answer you with, a ministry is anything you do for God and for the church, and I would add, the yet-to-be church, those who are not yet in the church. And I'm going to unfold that a little bit more in just a couple minutes here. Uh, so, now you might be asking, well, how, just how, Andrew, do I make God the center of my ministry? And I would say, first of all, acknowledge that you have a ministry. I'm, I'm not going to repeat myself. I just told you why you have one. <laughs> um, but if you're a Christian, you have a ministry, and... Uh, I, I will say one little final word. Um, your Christian life really won't be very fulfilling and exciting and interesting to yourself or anyone else until you step into ministering and working for the Lord. The, the Lord could have... You probably heard this stated this way before, but the moment you became God's friend and had your sin knew your sins were taken away, God could have taken you right home to be with him in heaven, but he didn't. He actually left you here on earth with all your limitations, all the difficulties in your life, all your hardships. God left you here on earth so that you could use you, so that he could use you in your ministry to influence the world around you. Okay? He, he, you're actually left here for a purpose. Even if you say, oh, but. Andrew, I'm, I'm um, incapable, or Andrew, I'm disabled, or Andrew, I, I have all these limitations you don't even understand. Be that as it may, you're still here, you're still breathing, until the moment you stop breathing, you're here to contribute. You're here to work for the Lord. You're here to be a minister, an active minister. Okay. All right. Enough said about that. Uh, the second thing, recognize Jesus to be the Lord of your ministry. Recognize Him to be the Lord of your ministry. The ministers who are safe, who are helpful, who actually benefit the body of Christ, who are Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered, God-approved, they're the ones who recognize, acknowledge that they are under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what that simply means is you know Jesus is the Master, you know he's the boss. You know he's the one who calls the shots. He's the one who initiates the directives. He's the one who has the right to issue forth all the commands. He also has the right to modify, adjust, increase or decrease, or prune your ministry as he sees fit. His It's his agenda. It's his agenda. You're not coming with your own agenda to contribute. You're coming... With his agenda in mind, and in fact, it's not even really biblically accurate to say my ministry. It's actually more biblically accurate to say his ministry. Uh, and 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 you know, ministry doesn't really exist just for our own self-fulfillment. Uh, it is very fulfilling. It's more fulfilling than anything else you could ever pursue. But that's not the reason why we're ministers for the Lord. Um, the people who see uh, who see their ministry as for their own self-fulfillment versus as being under the lordship of Jesus, th- those are often the most dangerous people uh, because they see ministry as an opportunity to meet their own needs rather than an opportunity to meet the needs of others. So uh, they're the people in danger of exploiting people for themselves. Uh, so recognizing Jesus is... The Lord. Now, you might be asking, okay, so if it's not right for me to do ministry just for my own self-fulfillment, what is the right motive? And I would say, number three, minister for the greater glory of God and for the building up of Christ's body and yet-to-be body. Now, just want to look at one passage here, a couple passages here. In oh, didn't have room to say what it is. This is First Peter chapter four, verses ten through eleven. If you want to look at it in front of you too, First Peter chapter four, verses ten and eleven, it says each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. To serve others, I'll come back to that in a minute. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We've already established there's hundreds of thousands of forms. Uh, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Now here, I underline this. Here's the kicker. Here's the main reason we do it. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And and what that means is when we've made our contribution, when we've we've given back, when we've brought some kind of gift uh, or offering, what we're not really hoping the ultimate end goal is, is, ooh, I really hope they noticed me. What we're really hoping is, oh, God, I hope through this gift, whether it's back in the kitchen, washing dishes, whether it's up front sharing a testimony or a prophecy, I really hope what they all notice is you. I really hope, God, that you end up looking better in our eyes than you looked before. Because those of us who know you, we see you, only partially, we don't see the full picture of you. We need to see you better. May my gift help everybody see you better than we saw you before and more clearly as you truly are. And for those who don't know you yet, God, please let them see you for the very first time. Let them let them see you as the truly good and attractive God that you really, really are. That's the end goal of our ministry. And then this other part I underlined Serving others to build up the body of Christ. What we're hoping, our, our desire when we come to serve, when we come to contribute, when we come to offer, is that the whole community is going to get strengthened, built up, ready to serve, blessed, encouraged. And as I, I, I uh, already said here, we're also thinking not just of those who are already in the body, we're thinking of those not yet. In the body. We're hoping, we're desiring that those who don't yet confess Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, we're hoping that they also will get a little foretaste of the goodness of God through our contributions. You know, my kids will refuse to eat something, even if it's a dessert. Can you believe it? Even if it's a dessert, if they haven't first had a little dribble of it on their tongue. Okay? The same is true with God. The, the world, those who don't know him, they've never even tasted and seen that God is good. So, of course, they don't want to come and serve God and worship God and believe in God. That's just It's foreign. It's like saying, here, try this new dish. And they're like, ugh, that looks gross. <clears throat> but when we serve, when we contribute, when we bring our spiritual gifts, when God is the center of our ministry... The world gets a little dribble, a little foretaste of the goodness of God, and they're like, ooh, mm, I like that. That's good. That's good, okay? So we're thinking about glorifying God, making him look better to our blinded eyes than we than before. We're thinking of building up the body of Christ, and we're thinking of those who aren't yet in the body of Christ every time we come and serve. Uh a little confirmation of that it says this all throughout scripture we already showed you this verse. When we come together, everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. All must be done for the strengthening of the church. All of that. So so if 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 uh, you know you want to bring something, bring a contribution, bring something to, to the church, you really gotta ask yourself, is this is this to put on the Andrew show? Is this to put on the me show? Or is this going to build up the body of Christ? Okay? Very important to keep that in mind. All right. Uh, the last thing uh, I'm going to say about how to put God at the center of your ministry. Number four, immerse yourself in the scriptures. Immerse yourself in the Scriptures. Now, this is one of the most important parts of how to put God in the center of your ministry. You see, the people we most trust to minister are those we know have been immersing themselves in the Scripture. I know if you remember last week, uh, Millie Iverson uh, came up and shared an encouragement for us, an exhortation for us. And, you know, as, as the person kind of facilitating the service here, you know, people will come up to me, people will come up to, to Tom, people will come up to Pastor Jim, and they'll say, oh, I've got a word, can I, can I share it? Can I?" And, and, you know, we have to evaluate in about a split second, like, hmm, okay, um, is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing? Is this going to be helpful, not helpful? Well, see, when, when Millie comes up and wants to share something, this is a woman I know, Is swimming in the scriptures. Like, for decades, every time I've talked to her, she's like, what bubbles out of her is some scripture she's just been meditating on, she's been thinking about, reading about. She's like, swimming in the scriptures. And so, that tells me, here is a trustworthy minister. Here's somebody that I know isn't going to come up and say something weird. She's going to say something. Encouraging. She's going to say something strengthening. She's going to say something that's going to bless the body. Um, you know, the 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 people who uh, minister the best, with the greatest skill, with the greatest effectiveness, are the people who have just been consuming the scriptures, who've been delving into them. And and it's you know, it's not always easy. When I first, when I was starting to get interested in Christianity, starting to warm up to it. You know, I was I was kind of a sharp guy. I wasn't I didn't have any learning difficulties or anything. But when I tried to read the scripture, it was like it was like reading a foreign language at first. Until I really got to know the Holy Spirit, and He began to open my brain so I could actually understand it. Okay, and He'll do the same for all of His people. Um, you know, the people who um, uh, are able to interpret how God is moving in their lives are the people who really immerse themselves in scripture now so some of you we, we, we're just at the end now of 2010 a year of restoration all right that's been our theme for the year and 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 what I've noticed over the years every every year we've we've had a theme and some people, Kind of look at that and like, oh, that's cool, but it doesn't really mean anything. I, I, I don't even know what, I, I can't even relate to that theme. And other people are like, yeah, you know what? Uh, that, that restoration theme, you know, I, I finally, I, I think I get what God is trying to tell me about this word restoration. Okay? The people who are able to interpret it like that are usually the people who have been immersing themselves in Scripture. Because you know what? They know what God's voice sounds like. People who immerse themselves in Scripture know, oh, that's that's God's voice. That's how God speaks. That's how he's spoken over thousands of years in the Bible. I, I know that's God speaking to me. They're able to interpret something like a year of restoration and what it means for them personally because they've dipped themselves into the scripture, and and when it comes to interpreting next year's theme, a year of, okay, I can't tell you until next. Uh, Pastor Jim's going to tell you next week. Um, uh, 2011, year of, um, it, it's the people who really dig into Scripture who are going to be able to interpret what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell them through the year's theme. Uh. Just want to take a look at one last passage here. I want you to notice a couple things about this. <clears throat> Let the word of God dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts with God. Let it. The first thing I want you to notice, I already underlined it for you, richly. Richly, we want to let God's message dwell in us, richly. All right. Now, I I'm, I'm hesitating to say this because I, I don't want anyone to feel any kind of uh, I, don't, I don't want you to feel any kind of condemnation for how you may have handled scriptures in the past. I, this is a new day, 2011. Great day to start fresh uh uh with how you regard the scripture but i just want you to ask yourself you know is it letting the word of god dwell in you richly if the only time you ever have contact with the scripture is when you glance at your monthly calendar that has a single verse written at the top is that is that letting the word of god dwell in you richly okay i'm Okay. (laughs) Tom wants me to come. All right. Okay, then I'm going to let loose. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, The second thing I want you to notice is look what flows out of those who let the Word of God dwell in them richly. Look at what flows out of it. There is the grace to admonish one another, there's the grace to do it with wisdom, there's the grace to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. With gratitude in your heart to God, there is grace to contribute something. Now, this morning, just a little bit ago, was a perfect example when Kevin shared with us that rap that he made. You know, you know what? The first time I met Kevin this last summer, I I, I wasn't talking to him more than five minutes, and all these scriptures started pouring out of his mouth. I was like, "So, Kevin, how are you? Nice to meet you. I'm Andrew." Well, the Word of God says, and the Word of God this, and the Word of And I was like, this guy knows, like, he's like delving into the Scripture. He's like getting into the Bible, all right? He's immersing himself into the Bible. And look what's flowing out, okay? That spiritual song, he, he used modern, uh, contemporary words and phrases, but it all flowed out of this deeper anchor, this deeper reservoir of Scripture, of truth, deep in his soul, okay? And I, I just want to encourage you, You know, if, if, if we want to be that church, if we want to be those kinds of people where the truth is flowing out of us and we're able to bring songs that edify and build up, we're able to bring uh, prophecies and, 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 and ministry that builds up and strengthens and glorifies God, we need to be the kind of people who are letting the Word of God dwell in us richly, richly.